Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Chronicles sports writer Rusty Simmons, who's been a big help on the Warriors beat this season. During our conversation, we offered quarterly season grades for every player on the roster. Rusty, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Uh, it's been a couple weeks, man. How you been? Everything's good. This is a this is a fun season to cover. Like we've talked about a little bit uh, last week, it's there are ups and downs, and uh, we've both gotten so used to covering teams that were really bad and really good. It's kind of fun to have a team teeter back and forth. Yeah, it's, it's this this team has been schizophrenic. I mean, like one one day, one game, you think they're they look like you know, a legitimate team that can go deep in the playoffs and be a threat in the West. And then the next game, they're just a complete mess um, and all over the place. And so the funny thing is that they're one of many teams like that this season. It feels like two thirds of the league is like that. Maybe even three fourths of the league is like that right now, where it's just like, they're all over the place. I think, I think part of it is just COVID and, and the reduced training camp and, uh, all the weirdness that has gone with all the pro- gone along with all the protocols. Um, but, you know, the, the thing about this team is um, they're, they, they have talent. They seem to like each other, but they just, they seem to forget their identity uh, every, every other day. Like they forget what they're meant to do, what they're supposed to be doing. It's weird. Um, I'm, I still have no idea what this team ceiling is we're we're a little bit past the quarter mark now and i get that question all the time as i'm sure you did when you were a beat writer it's like what what's 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 this team ceiling and i i still don't know do you, do you think you have an idea i don't uh you heard coach kerr early in the season say it'll take us it might take us 20 games to figure out our identity and um i still don't know what that is i, I feel like um, sometimes they look good. They understand that they have to play great defense and let that lead into their offense. And then there's some nights where, like you said, they just kind of forget that they have to do that. And um, there's a bunch of standing around and waiting for Stephen Curry to become Superman. And um, I understand with all of the coronavirus protocol and how little meeting and practice time there is that, of course, some of that's going to happen. And and I think it does get um, magnified even more when you have a guy like Stephen Curry on your team because that's probably human nature to sit back on some nights and be like, well, Steph will bail us out. Um, and so I think they go through a little bit of that right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, so like I said, we're a little bit past the quarter mark of the season. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to, uh, to actually go through every single player on the roster and give a, a little breakdown of where we think they're at so far in the season compared to our expectations for them entering the season and then provide a great. And then at the end of this, we're going to actually have an overall team grade. Um, so I, I took a little time and I organized it so that we're kind of progressing from most irrelevant players to most relevant players. So you'll see we start with the two-way guys and then we end with the Steph Curry's of the world. Um, so the first one, Rusty, is Nico Mannion. Um, Nico was a late second-round pick in November out of Arizona former potential lottery pick, but just didn't shoot very well his only year at Arizona, so his stock plummeted. Uh, but everyone thought he was he was going to be somewhat of a bargain so late in the second round. And, look, he's on a two-way contract, meaning he could only play 50 of a possible 72 games this season, and he's barely played so far this season. He's only gotten meaningful minutes in three games, and most of those minutes were actually garbage time. Um, but he's looked good when he has played uh you know he played recently against the Knicks and the Jazz and I think he totaled eight assists in in about 17 minutes um he looked like he knew what he was doing he looked comfortable he looked like he understood the offense he he read the court well um and for a rookie second round pick I was really impressed um he's heading he headed yesterday to Orlando for the G League bubble so he'll be gone for a month uh playing with Santa Cruz um and I think it'll be really good for him to get uh some meaningful playing time but what have you thought about his season so far yeah we'll probably be able to uh have a a more accurate grade once we see him get some minutes down in the G League Uh, but I like a lot of what you said um he doesn't look overwhelmed out there he's not scared he sticks his nose in there um he's not scared to handle pressure when he's on the ball uh and 
you know, maybe his best grade booster so far is that he made Stephen Curry spit take crack up and spill his water all over the place when, when Malik Beasley was trying to talk trash to him. So, um, I actually think that helps as a rookie to be that likable and for the veterans to respect you enough to laugh at your joke in the middle of the game. There's actually something to that. So, um, yeah, he's not overwhelmed and, uh, and we'll, we'll get to see a ton more when he gets down there close to Orlando for the bubble. Yeah. And you know, I'm, you gotta, you gotta grade these guys based off the minutes they're given. Right. I mean, they can't control the fact that they're, they're lower on the depth chart in certain circumstances. Um, so I think that given what we've seen from him and what we've heard about him behind the scenes, I think you got to give him a good grade. So I'm going to give him an A minus, even though he's barely played, he's done his job. He's I think uh, exceeded expectations already. So uh, I'm going to give him an A minus. What about you? We're really close. I, w- I would have gone with a B, slightly slightly more than than what I expected out of him coming into the season. Um, and I would have upped that to a B plus just for the spit take. That was great. Uh, Great fodder for our stories. All right, we can uh, we can upgrade him to a B, or we'll give him a B plus right now. Uh, the next one is our other two way guy, Juan Descano Anderson. Uh, Juan has had an interesting season because he actually started the first couple games, uh, even though he went from getting cut about a week before the season started to signing the final two way contract. And he's not your typical two way guy. He's like twenty seven years old, has played in a bunch of different leagues overseas. Um, normally two way guys are given to like undrafted rookies and, you know, young guys just trying to find their footing in the league. Uh, Juan is a, is somewhat of a journeyman already in the professional ranks. Um, but they liked what he gave them in Santa Cruz the past couple of years. He had a couple of good games when he signed with golden state after the trade deadline last year. Um, so I thought it was, it was, it was smart for them to give their last two way to him. Um, and he's when when Draymond was injured early in the season, he started a couple games and he looked good. I mean, he's never going to score a lot of points. He's never going to he's never going to put up crazy numbers, but he knows what he's doing out there. He's got a high basketball IQ. He plays incredibly hard. Um, he's good defensively. He's got a long wingspan, um, kind of bother, bother some wings um, and big men for that matter. Um, so I think for a two way guy, he's great value, um, but he just he there just hasn't really been an, any opportunity for him recently and because he is a two, two-way guy and can only play a total of 50 games makes sense to try to preserve those so he hasn't played really at all in in weeks so um but when when he did play early in the season i was impressed i thought he looked even better than he did last season um and i thought he played off staff really well so i'm going to give him a, a b plus as well what about you yeah, I, I agree. Um, I would have been interested to see what Juan could have done if he was able to build on those starts, because I thought he, he looked good out there. Um, a lot of the things that you mentioned, uh, he's not going to light up a stat sheet, but he's in the right place all the time. He defends like crazy. Um, he'll set a screen for you. He understands where the ball should go on offense. Um, now, it, because of the fact that he only has 50 games as a two-way player and Kerr is worried about coronavirus and injuries down the line, he's really tried to keep him inactive a lot and not use those games. So he hasn't been able to build on that at all. I wish we could have seen that. Um, but he's a heck of a cheerleader on the sidelines. He'll, he'll get in the face of the other team. I guess he said something so awful to Wayne Ellington the other day that Rodney Magruder of Detroit wanted to fight him after the game. So um, – He's doing his job. He's, if he's not getting minutes, he's at least uh, being a supportive guy on the, on the sideline. C plus B sounds pretty good to me. I talked to his uh, his old college coach, Buzz Williams, the other day, and Buzz said that Juan was the best teammate he's ever coached in his entire career. And Buzz is, Williams has coached at Virginia Tech, Texas A&M, Marquette, a bunch of big, big Power 5 conference programs, and he said best teammate he's ever had. And I honestly think when you're talking about like 16th, 17th guy like that, that's that's incredibly important. So props to him for for that. Um, the next one is Alan Smilegeach, uh, who I am fascinated to see what he does in the G League bubble coming up because he has not played a single game this season for Golden State. Really unfortunate circumstances for him. He 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 was facing a really important season because keep in mind he was a early second round pick in 2019. Um, Drafted large, largely as a, a long-term project, but you know, even with long-term projects, you have to show something to stick around. And he didn't show a ton last season. 
Um, and then this season was going to be his last guaranteed season. After this season, his contract's not guaranteed. So if he can't show something this season, the Warriors have no reason to keep him around. And honestly, he could even be cut this season because there's no one else, no one else who's obvious outside of maybe Marquise Chris just because he's injured, who the Warriors could cut um, if they decide to use the des- disabled player exception on someone. So um, I think this bubble is incredibly important for him um, just in terms of showing that he still deserves an investment. But I don't even think you can give a grade to him because we haven't seen anything. So I'm going to give him an incomplete. That's exactly what I would have suggested um, through no fault of his own. We haven't seen anything this year. He's been hurt. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, and I think the reason we... he hasn't played is because he has a knee injury. Sorry. <laughs> right. he, 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 yeah. he got a knee injury right at the start of the season, uh, which is just such unfortunate timing. Had surgery and is actually going to be late to the bubble. Um, he's he the team. The other guys left yesterday. He's going to be leaving mid this week. Yeah. If he can go down there and get eight or ten games in there. um, I think that's huge for him just to just for him to get minutes for him to to give the Warriors something to evaluate. It, it's so hard to evaluate off practice, especially so much of, of the practice has been one on one work. And um, so, yeah, to get down there and get up and down the floor, it'll be interesting to see. But I think you're right. Right now, um, I, I don't think he can give any grade except an incomplete. Uh, next one is Marquise Chris. Um, another guy I feel I really feel for, um, you know, he had his breakthrough last season, uh, went from almost being out of the league to starting games for the Warriors and at times, honestly, being their best player, which isn't saying a lot, given they're the worst team in the league. But, uh, you know, toward the end of last season, he was one of their best players. Um, he was just so solid offensively and defensively, played with himself, really strong, really nice small ball five. I think it was a revelation. He had always played the four and some three. And he actually is much better suited for a small ball five. And so uh, the Warriors were us- utilizing him properly. It felt like he had a long-term future with the Warriors. Then he comes in this season and two games into the season, um, sprains his ankle and also breaks his leg. Um, and it, he's staring down a several-month recovery. It's not for sure whether or not he'll be able to play again this season. Um, and, the you know, a lot of times with injuries, it can be a double whammy because not only do you get injured, but your injury opens up an opportunity for the, for someone else. And then that person ends up looking great. And then it's like, where do you fit in this rotation? Um, when Chris got injured, Eric Pascal, Steve had no choice, but to move Eric Pascal to the small ball five, just he had no other options. And Pascal who sits six foot six has been a total revelation as a small ball five as that has been amazing uh, at that position and a huge asset. And that's actually been his best position. And so it's like you look at the rotation, you look at the depth chart, and it's like, where are the minutes for Marquise when he comes back? I don't know. I mean, he's best at the five, but you don't want to you don't want to take five five minutes away from Pascal, who's been such an asset in the second unit as a small ball five. So it'll it'll be interesting. I feel for him, but I also think you got to give him an incomplete because he's only played two games, and uh, you know, honestly, in those two games, he didn't look very good. But uh, it was just two games, and no one looked good in those two games. I was going to give him an A plus just because of what you just said that that his injury actually freed up Eric Pascal at the small ball five and I, I feel bad for him um, because he had completely revived his career and and had really made it made himself a player in the NBA. It wasn't a question anymore if he belonged on a roster and um, he was doing everything the Warriors asked him to do. Uh, so that that part's too bad. But th- this is the way it works in the league. The 15th or 17th dudes are really good also. And and when you go down, somebody steps up. And I'm not sure the Warriors would have ever tried Eric Pascal as the backup five if it wasn't for this. Um, and, and it's been an absolute uh, – you can guarantee every game that he's going to be really good in that role. Um, so incomplete is probably the right answer. You kind of like Marquise because it worked out really well for the Warriors. I'd give him an A-plus, but I, I know that's not fair. Right, right. Uh, so the next one is uh, Jordan Poole. We, we'd heard so much about Jordan Poole in the offseason. It felt like Steve and all the coaches and everyone were, were going out of their way every opportunity to rave about his diligence. He was in the gym every single day, working really hard. Really a true, a true gym rat, um, which is great from a young guy, especially a young guy who hasn't really proven 100% that he's an NBA player yet. Um, and he uh so you're we were all kind of expecting a 
breakthrough just based off what everyone was saying. But I, I said at the time, like, I just don't see the minutes, like where, where are the minutes? And for him to, to have a meeting for, well, one thing he had to do this season is he had to beat out Michael Mulder who got the 15th and final roster spot. He hasn't been able to do that. Um, Michael Mulder has actually been really helpful as a catch and shoot specialist off the bench and Poole hasn't been horrible, but he just hasn't been able to knock down shots at a consistent enough rate to, to warrant meaningful minutes. And, you know, he actually got some significant run the other night um, in a blowout win, and and he played great. It was his best, probably the best game of his career at 16 points off the bench. And the timing was kind of interesting because he was leaving the next day for the G League bubble. And so he'll also be – in Orlando. And I think some people were a little surprised that he's going to Orlando just because he is a guy who's, you know, gotten some minutes and, and is in the, has been in the league a year. Um, but I actually think he'll really benefit from that environment and kind of being able to lead a team and get meaningful minutes. Um, I think he's a guy who the jury's still out on. I mean, he can, he could be a helpful rotation piece or he could be out of the league in a year or two. I mean, it's honestly, luckily for him, he had his third year option picked up. So he should be with the Warriors next season. He'll get more opportunity, but if you can't beat out Michael Mulder, I don't know. It'll be interesting. What I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him a, a C um, because I'm, I'm just disappointed that he was, he hasn't been able to build off that, that impressive off season. And he hasn't been able to beat out a guy who was the final roster spot. So. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right on it. Um, against my evaluation going into the season, I, I would probably give him a C. But because, like you talked about, the Warriors talked him up so much, my expectations went up. Um, so I'd probably even give him a D or a D plus. He, he's performed worse than than the Warriors expected, um, and he's one of those guys that if he doesn't make his first shot in a game, it affects everything he does. He can still do some things for you. He's not as bad a defender as I thought. He's better on the ball than I thought. Um, but when he doesn't make his first shot, he's a little bit lost out there. And um, I, I think that really hurts him right now. He's got to get, he's got to get that out of his head. He's put the work in. So he should know, he should know that his second or third shots going in. He just doesn't have his, the confidence like that. Um, so yeah, another guy where the bubble is going to be really interesting for him. You mentioned that, that he can't beat out Mulder at the NBA level. What happens if he goes down to the bubble and Nico Mannion controls the ball <laughs> the entire time well, and pulls yeah. just kind of an after Jeremy, right? what, if, what, if he, what if Jeremy Lynn beat what him if Lynn? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah. And, and it's interesting because you watch the games and you can see just in like the layup lines and stuff like that. And on the bench, like guys like him, you know, he seems to be a good teammate and all those things, but he's got some growing up to do. I mean, I don't know if you've seen his zoom call interviews recently, but he's, he's got this, like, he comes across very aloof. He's annoyed by media. He, he, We'll shoot down our questions and kind of act like we're stupid. And it's like, dude, you're 21 years old. You haven't proven anything in the league. Like you, I want, I understand if Draymond acts like that, but you can't be acting like that, man. Like, so weird thing. It's a weird thing for Jordan too, because when he got drafted and came in, he was so engaging and talking about his cats and talking about all his big shots in college. And and then you'll remember the game, Connor. I can't remember last year. He finally had a good game and was like, was so rude to the yeah, media. He was like, it was like oh, dude, now. what's your issue here? Um, I think he was annoyed because the the narrative on him became very negative very quickly. Um, and that's just how the NBA is. I mean, that's just – that's what comes with having a guaranteed contract making millions of dollars. So you just need to deal with that. And he did, I don't think he dealt with it very well. Um, but, you know, he's young. I'm sure he'll grow. Uh the I gave him a C. It sounded like you were giving him a D plus. We're gonna meet in the middle and give him a C minus. I think that's probably more accurate. C might have been too nice. We'll have more of my conversation with Rusty Simmons right after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
next one is Kent Bazemore. Um, another guy who's kind of had an interesting season um, was brought in um, in free agency. I I thought it was an okay signing, but I wasn't. I was curious to see whether he was going to play like he played in Sacramento last season or play like he played with Portland last season. Cause he started last season with Portland. He was awful. And then he was traded to Sacramento and played really well. So I, I just, I said the whole time, if, if, if he can be the Sacramento version of himself, the Warriors will be really happy. And I, he's been helpful. Um, you know, he's been up and down at times, but um, he's been, he's been, um, a spark plug off that bench, a lot of energy. You know, he has enough length and athleticism where he can be a factor defensively. He can knock down open shots. He's kind of like a poor man's three and D guy at this point in his career. Um, but he's shooting really well. You know, he's, he's right now he's shooting 43.3% from three. Um, and this is a guy who was completely out of the rotation to start the season, which I thought was odd, but I think just Steve was trying to figure things out and, and, and Bazemore was kind of the, the odd man out for a minute, but he's definitely in the rotation now and deserves to be. Um, I think he's doing his job. Um, he's not going to wow you, but he's knocking down shots and he's playing solid D. So I'm going to give him uh, a B plus. Yeah, you're a little you're a little nicer, greater than I. I would have said B, but we're really close. Um, I thought coming into the year, uh, anything that makes Stephen Curry happy is good for the Warriors. So they signed his buddy. That's helpful. And then I thought oh, he, he can be kind of what you mentioned, a poor man's three and D guy. Um, he's been decent defensively and better than I thought as a shooter. He's knocking down shots. Um, and I misconstrued early in the year when Coach Kerr said he's not in the rotation right now because I already know what he can do. I took that as they already know he's not very good. But it turned out it was it was that he he meant exactly what he said. I already know what I'm going to get from him. He's a veteran. I know what to expect. He's going to play fine. Um, so when he was shuffling around trying to figure out things with Mulder and Poole and Damian Lee, he was just letting Bazemore sit, and then he knew what he was going to get from him. Um, I think he's been I think he's been better than than what I thought, and and he's been he's been a really really solid player for him, and a great another great locker room guy. Yeah, great locker room guy. One of my favorite interviews on the team. Um, and I think he really appreciates being back in Golden State. Kind of a full circle thing for him. Um, next one is Michael Mulder. Uh, Michael Mulder is uh, – I love Michael Mulder's story. Uh, you know, he was a guy who uh, was was uh, went to Kentucky, went to junior – wasn't recruited out of high school from Windsor – Canada, Windsor, Ontario, Canada, which is not exactly a basketball hotbed, uh, wasn't recruited out of high school, played JUCO, um, ended up getting an offer from Kentucky, went there, didn't get minutes at all, uh, was stuck behind the Jamal Murrays of the world, um, and didn't really get minutes, but he held his own in practice against them, bounced around the G League, put up good, really, really impressive numbers with Sioux Falls last season, was signed, um, uh, last season on a 10 day with the Warriors and then was able to earn their final roster spot this season. And um, the big thing with him was always going to be knockdown shots. Can you knock down shots? Cause he has one NBA skill and it is the ability to knock down shots. He's a knockdown elite borderline elite three point shooter. Um, in the G league, he shot like 40% on over on 10, 10 threes per game. I don't care that it's the G league. That's impressive. Um, and so, you know, can he knock down shots and also just be a factor defensively? And he's been able to do those things. Um, you know, he is shooting 43.6% from three on 2.1 attempts per game and only 10.3 minutes per game. So he's going out there, he's being aggressive and he's making shots and he's his length and athleticism defensively have, have made life difficult on some better wings in this league. And so. I think when you're talking about like a back end of the rotation guy, yeah, you can't do much better than Michael Mulder right now. I think he should have a long-term future with the Warriors. I love him. And, and he's a great locker room guy, no ego, really appreciative to be here. Um, I think he's everything you're looking for in that type of spot. So I'm going to give him an A, straight up A. For, he's playing yeah, his I, role. I agree. I agree. He's uh, he's exceeded my expectations for sure. Um, I always thought he would probably shoot at some point in the NBA. Um, his numbers are just too good at every level to, to think that he wasn't going to do it. Um, you mentioned the percentage in the G League just to get 10 shots off a game is something. 
without your coach pulling you because that, that means you got good shots and he expects you to make them. So, um, yeah, I've been impressed. And you told me early on that he's a better defender than I thought. And I didn't agree with you for almost a year, but he is. He's a better he's a better defender than I thought. He's, he's not scared of anything. He sticks his nose in there. He's longer he's than I thought. He's also super he, athletic. He has a crazy vertical. He has huge hands. Yeah, no, I mean, people just dismiss him as a shooter, but he's actually athlete. Right. Like, um, and yeah. I honestly think if he hadn't gone to Kentucky, I think if he had gone, I did a story on 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 Juan and and Michael Mulder's college years, just because they barely played in college and now they're in the NBA. Like, how does that happen? And I talked to John Calipari, and and I talked to Michael. Michael basically said it came down to Creighton and Kentucky. And if he had gone to Creighton and like been the guy at Creighton, I think he would have been a first round pick. It's just he went to Kentucky where he wasn't going to get minutes. But ultimately, it might have helped him because he got to go up in practice against NBA players every day. So I was going to say it probably worked out for him the best. Yeah, because that is one way to improve is to go up against great competition like that. And the other thing is he probably was never going to be a star in the NBA. He was going to be a role player. So it already is setting the tone for that. Right. Like he's accepted that role and he's really, really good at it. Exactly. Um, the next one is Brad Wanamaker. Um Brad was brought in in free agency to, to be Steph's backup. I think they wanted like a, a solid vet guy as, as Steph's backup, someone who who they knew what to expect from. He's only played a couple years in the league, but he actually played at a super high level in the Euro League for a long time. And uh, he's kind of he's got somewhat of a pedigree. So um, I thought it was a good signing. Um Part of the reason why the Warriors wanted him was because he was lights out from three in the bubble for Boston. I think he shot around 43% from three, but um, he has not been able to do that with Golden State. He's only shooting 35.6% from the field, 22.9% from three. Um, you know, I, I think outside of his shooting, he's been okay. He's uh, He's been able to kind of get them into their sets and he's been – somewhat of a factor defensively uh but he's never been for a point guard he's never been a great passer so if you're not shooting and you're not an awesome passer i don't i'm not sure like how much real value you're providing as a backup point guard so i've been disappointed by brad overall um hopefully he'll turn it around but um i'm gonna give him a, a c minus right now because honestly his shooting is just not acceptable 35.6 percent from the field is not gonna get it done yeah, I like the I like the C C minus grade for him. Um, he's solid most nights, but he does doesn't do anything fantastic. And and you hit on one of the things that I would have talked about is um, even if his shot isn't going in uh, as a point guard, you've got to run the offense and be a good passer. And and even in those stints where he's playing with Steph Curry, where Steph's playing off the ball. Um, it's not so much Brad's passing that's creating anything. It's that Steph is running around like a bumblebee and finds a way to get himself open um, that you or I could go out there and, and make that pass. And so, um, yeah, I, while Wanamaker has been solid, I, I don't think it's anything that uh, deserves more than a C. I think C, C minus is probably about right. So the next one is Damian Lee. Um, Damian continues to surprise me, man. He <laughs> like, I always feel like I underestimate him, but everyone underestimates him. Like he's, he's, it's just like his, mo i mean his entire career this is a guy who his sophomore year of high school he's he was still on jv and his coach told his his mom uh you know at best he's a division two guy um and here he is now uh playing meaningful minutes for a winning team in the nba and honestly being one of their most solid rotation players and by solid i mean just consistent you know he's he has won them two games uh he hit the game winning three in chicago and then knocked down uh the final free throws to to polish off toronto um he's and the fact that he was even on the floor in those those moments says how much steve believes in him um he's been a a true three and d guy um right now he's shooting 46.7 percent from the field and 42.9 percent from three and his three-point shooting i said entering the season was going to be really important because he was actually the only team player on the entire team last season who returned this season who uh, shot above the league average from three last season. And so he needed to, to build off that, and he's more than built off that. has been absolute lights out from three. 
And then defensively, I think he's probably a little above average. You know, I think he doesn't hurt you defensively. He plays hard. He is engaged. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can ask any more of him. I, there's been chatter that he should be starting and I can understand why given Kelly Oubre's struggles, but, um, he's proven to me that he is a bona fide NBA rotation player and deserves to be in this team's long-term plans, which I wasn't confident about entering the season. So props to him. I'm going to give him an A straight up A. He, I don't know what else he can do. Yeah. If, if there was a higher grade, I would give that to him. Um, and and if you would if you would have asked this two or three games ago, we would have given maybe even a higher grade. He's actually in a little mini slump as far as his season's been going from three point shooting. But um, yeah, he's been fantastic. Everything that you said, plus the fact that he's playing the overwhelming majority of his minutes at power forward in the NBA, like that that's just absurd at his size. What he's doing, um, he fights defensively. Of course, he's overmatched and oversized at that position. But um, he, he's been fantastic and. We knew he wasn't going to shoot 50% from three-point all year, but but to hover around that 40% range is um, exactly what the Warriors need with that lineup. And uh, and probably most importantly, like you said, Coach Kerr can trust him. And that, that's all a coach wants out of somebody off the bench is to know what he's going to get from you cons- consistently. Um, and he always knows what he's going to get from Damian Lee. Um, next was Eric Paschal. Eric was someone that I was really curious about entering the season because – he was such a surprise last season coming out of nowhere as that number 41 pick. And then, you know, being first team, all rookie team and, and uh, being kind of a go-to option at times for a bad team. Um, you know, he's so good downhill. He's so good in ISO situations. I was curious, you know, once they got more talent on the roster, how much of a factor he'd really be because he hasn't really proven that he can score in the, within the flow of the offense super well. Um, and he's been super inconsistent defensively. I, he's been straight up bad defensively at times, especially on the help side. Um, so I wasn't totally sure if he was – I honestly thought he could end up being, you know, you know, Michael Carter-Williams, you know, like the former rookie of the year who never did anything after he was, he was rookie of the year. I kind of thought he could have a similar career where he just like his high point was his rookie season. Um, but, you know – the big thing for him, like we, we touched upon earlier, was Marquise, Marquise Chris's injury, uh, which opened up minutes for Pascal. Well, that didn't just open them up. They forced minutes on Pascal to play as a small ball five, as a six-foot-six center. And he's been amazing in that, that spot. The thing about him is he's, he's a matchup nightmare for traditional bigs because he's so good in ISO situations. He's so good at beating people off the dribble. Um, he's got a real scorer's mentality. You can play that he played at Rucker. You can tell that he played at Rucker and played, you know, at a really high level uh, on those pickup scenes in, in New York. Um, he's got got that bulldog bulldog mentality. Um, and then defensively, he still has a lot to improve. I'd like to see him. Uh, I'd like to see him rebound at a higher rate. Um, I'd also like to see him knock down threes at a higher rate. Um, He's shooting one and a, 1.5 threes per game. He's only knocking down 31% of them. Um, but and his his production has actually gone down significantly just in the past couple of weeks. He's kind of – it feels like he might have hit a little bit of a rookie wall, even though he's a second-year guy. Uh, he's kind of he's he's struggling lately. But if he can get back to where he was the first month of the first few weeks of the season, I think he's a huge asset for the Warriors. So it's been a roller coaster year for him, but I'm gonna give him a I'm gonna give him a B, just because he when he's been on he's been so on and been so helpful. Yeah, yeah, I like I like the B grade there. Um, I, I thought Pascal would find a role, although I couldn't identify what it was gonna be. I he just played so many different roles at Villanova and always found a way to be a contributor. I thought he would do that throughout his NBA career. Um, I I didn't predict that it was gonna be as a small ball five, but uh, it's worked out well for him. Um, him in isolation or pick and roll situations, he's really good. I, I would like to see what happens um, when opposing teams start to put him on the scout. Uh, because at the end of last year, I thought he got better at drawing attention and passing. And he's not doing that right now. Nobody's stopping him. He's getting right to the rim and scoring or taking mid-range shots. And so he hadn't been forced to do it yet. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens there. Uh, and then the other thing that you mentioned was a little drop off here recently. Um, Eric said recently that 
his body is taking a pounding in there as a backup five at six foot six. So I wonder if his body holds up for this. Um, if it does, um, I, I think he's found a role and, and he's been really good at it so far. Um, the next one is Kavon Looney. Um, Kavon, I've come to really appreciate Kavon. I don't know about you, but I, I like his game. I just, he, um, the big question with him was his health. You know, last season he was a total non-factor just because he wasn't healthy. Um, he looked completely lost out there because he just didn't feel right. And I, you felt for the guy. He dealt with so many different issues, including neuropathy, which which is a really kind of scary thing at times. Um, but he looks healthy, first and foremost. He looks like he has his wind and he knows what he's doing. And so that's huge. Um, and then uh, – you know he he's never gonna he's never gonna wow you with his numbers and sp- his numbers this season are not impressive really. I mean he's averaging three point seven points per game, four point two rebounds, one point seven assists in fourteen point seven minutes. So the production is not great, but he's a winning player. His plus minus is always through the roof, um, and there's a reason why he's starting now. Um, he Steve knows what he's gonna get from him. And the thing about him is I almost say that he's somewhat of like a poor man's Draymond in the sense that he's a basketball savant in his own right. Like he makes plays by reading the situation perfectly and sometimes not making the play. Like he doesn't overhelp. He doesn't bite on pump fakes. He plays his position perfectly every single time. And that's winning basketball. And you need guys like that um, if you're going to make the playoffs. And so um I think he's given them everything that they need. I'm going to give him a – I'm going to give him – I'm actually going to give him an A-, minus, uh, even though he's not really producing a lot of points or anything. I, I think he's just playing his role to the nth degree, and I think you got to be happy with him. Yeah, we're, we're really close on our grades. I would have said a B plus. Again, really close there. Kevon Looney's game to me is always the one, like – if you don't notice him, he's probably doing really well because he's doing what he's supposed to. He's where he's supposed to be defensively, he's setting screens. You notice Steph Curry shooting. You don't notice what Kevon Looney's doing. Um, but I think this year, more than I have in the past, especially since he's been in the starting lineup, I notice him on defense. He's making an impact. And you're right, a lot of times it's not the spectacular shot block up into the first first row of, of the bleachers or anything. It's more of defensive positioning and switching. Um, but but I notice him every game now that he's doing something really remarkable on the defensive end, whether it's guarding the ball three different times on one possession or whether it's switching late or whether it's seeing a sequence early and getting Steph out of the way so that he can guard that guy. Um, he does something every game on defense that I notice. And and I like the I like the comparison to, to Draymond Green a little bit. Um, he doesn't quite have the gumption that Draymond does. Yeah, I just does, meant in put, terms of his basketball IQ. Yeah, IQ. That's what I like. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's where he's supposed to be defensively and and doesn't hurt you on offense. And, and he stopped shooting the three pointers that he was <laughs> that he was shooting during training camp. So I like what he's doing even more. The next one is probably the one that a lot of our listeners have been waiting for. And that's Kelly Oubre Jr. Um, we're starting to get into the starting lineup here. Um, and Kelly has been. The narrative around him has been extremely negative uh, this season. He first of all. The Warriors went and got him to help replace Clay Thompson. The Warriors did not expect him to be Clay Thompson, but there's a certain amount of expectation that comes with a guy who, to acquire him, your your luxury tax went up $70 million. I mean, there's just going to be expectations that come with that. Obviously, Kelly Oubre didn't choose that, but that's just life in the NBA. Um, so people expected him to come in and build off last season when he was a really productive player. Average around 19 points per game for the Suns. Um, you know, shot had career best efficiency. Um, but he's really just struggled to figure out the Warrior system. Um, you know, he he's often in he's still in the wrong place on the floor a lot of the time. You've seen those those hot those clips of Steph Curry literally running into him on the floor and getting upset because you know he's not making the right reads in that read and react system. And um, the the shooting is a major concern. Um, we're past the small sample size portion of the season. Uh, we're over a quarter of the way through the season. He's shooting 37.2% from the field and 22.8% from three on 5.1 attempts. So a lot of attempts. And 
the thing is the vast majority of those attempts are wide open. These aren't even guarding him anymore and he's still not making them. And a lot of them aren't even close. He's had a couple good games. He had, he had a good, a good game a, a couple games ago, right on the heels of those trade rumors um, of surrounding him in new Orleans. But um, he's just, the consistency's not there. I know he's been doing that report came out from TMZ. I don't like to talk about TMZ too much, but a report came out from TMZ that he was dealing with some stuff in his personal life. So you wonder if there's just, there's some things off the floor that might be affecting his game. These people are human beings, you know, like when you're going through something in your personal life, it can affect your work. So um, I don't know. I hope he figures it out, but I do think Steve was smart to not pull him from the starting lineup. I think that that would have had, a uh, huge trickle down effect and could have been really detrimental to the team. Uh, you would have probably lost faith in, you know, Kelly Oubre would have lost faith in himself potentially cause locker room issues. You just don't want to deal with that. Um, I don't think the Warriors should trade him yet. Um, I don't even know what his market value really is, but he's not coming back next season. And so if you can, if you can get someone that could help you long-term, you've got to look at that. But uh, what, what do you think? about Kelly's season so far? Yeah, it's a tough one because um, as you started to talk about there, like I felt like he was in a no-win situation. Um, acquiring him made the luxury tax go up $70 million. While the Warriors didn't expect him to replace Klay Thompson, that's immediately what it becomes in a fan's mind. And nobody can replace Klay Thompson in a fan's mind. So he was in a really, really tough situation. Um, the one thing I'll give him is that as bad as he's been on offense and especially from the three point line, he hasn't let it affect him on defense in very many games. So, so at least he's been doing that. What I don't understand about him is he still gives you a remarkable dunk, a highlight reel dunk every game. And he seems to be able to get to the rim and to offensive rebound and do those things. So I'm not sure why he's still so stuck behind the three point line. Um, why he's shooting five of those a game. Those, those should all be going to other guys right now. Um, so, uh, to me, he hasn't been very good. It was a tough situation to come into, but but you have to you have to look at the results, and they haven't been good. I'd probably give him a D. A D, yeah. Um, I'm gonna give him a D plus uh, because he has. I like that. He has been helpful defensively. I don't think he's been as good defensively as some people say he's been. I think I think it's one of those things where people just feel bad about being so negative. It's like, oh, but defensively, it's like really though, he hasn't been Andrew Wiggins level good defensively. Right. I mean, he's been average probably. Um, he provides intensity, but he's often in the wrong spot on the floor defensively as well. Um, speaking of Andrew Wiggins, he's next on our list. And uh, just as disappointing as Kelly Oubre has been, Andrew Wiggins has been the opposite. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, a lot of expectations put on him as well this season, a ton on his plate. This is a guy who was brought in basically to be a better version of Harrison Barnes, you know, kind of like an off the ball slasher who can knock down the open shot and play okay on defense. Uh, but when Clay went down, a lot of Clay's void ended up on, on Andrew's shoulders. You know, he's suddenly a bona fide number has to be a bona fide number two option to Steph Curry offensively. He has to um, be a lockdown perimeter defender, which he's never proven in his career. Um, so basically he has to play the best defense of his career and he has to play the most efficient offense of his career, but guess what? Quarter of the way through the season, that is exactly what he's doing. Um, uh, he's, uh, he's averaging 17.9 points, um, on 47.2% from the three, 40.6% from three on over five per ten, five attempts per game. That is huge. That is huge for this team. That is that is feeling the loss of clay right now. I can't even understate how big that is. Um, and then he's also averaging 4.9 rebounds, 2.2 assists, 1.5 blocks. Last I checked, he was eighth in the league in blocks per game. Um, and he's also, uh, you know, he's been kind of a playmaker that second unit at times. I think Steve has figured out how to use him. You know, he's deviated from their motion principles at times to showcase Wiggins and let him do some of what he did well in Minnesota. And I think it's worked out super well, Been a perfect marriage with him and the Warriors. I think he's a long-term piece. I think people need to stop talking about trading him. Yes. He's paid a lot, but you know, he's a, he's a really helpful player for this team. He fits the ethos of this team. He's, he's a really low key, humble Canadian. Uh, gotta love those Canadians. And uh, 
you know, so I can't say enough about him. I've been so impressed. And I, I saw a stat uh, earlier today about what some of the best players in the league have done against him this season. And basically, CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Chris Middleton, Giannis, DeMar DeRozan, Donovan Mitchell have shot a combined 26.6% from the field when guarded by Andrew Wiggins this season. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. He's shutting down the best players in the league. It's been remarkable. And the and the most remarkable thing about that list is that they play every position. You name guys one through four, and Wiggins is guarding all of them. Um, so yeah, he's been he's been unbelievable. I, I remember uh, during training camp or early in the season, he mentioned that he wanted to be uh, an All NBA defensive player, and I remember just kind of laughing to myself. And that was even after seeing him a little bit with the Warriors last year, where it looked like he was trying harder on that end. I just didn't I didn't realize he could be this good defensively. Um, he's been great. He's been absolutely great, and and he's been consistent offensively. Um, he he takes the shots that he's supposed to. He defers to Curry when he's supposed to, and and he's been really good um, in that second unit. Um, when, when you're exactly right, where Coach Kerr will kind of showcase him and Eric Pascal and let them both kind of do their things. Um, he's been he's been more than than I could have expected, and I think maybe even more than the Warriors could have expected. And they were high on him. <laughs> they they were talking about him him being a great number two guy and, and being an all defensive guy. So. Um, yeah, he's, he's been fantastic. I, I don't think we can give him anything short of an A. I'm giving him an A+. Plus. He's my only A+, plus yes. so far. I think he deserves it. He's unreal. So, like, I can't say enough about him. James Wiseman is next. Um, another guy who has gotten a ton of headlines this season for good reason. Really, his, his development, to me, is the most important storyline of this entire season. Um, because if he can become a legitimate face-to-the-franchise caliber guy that just – said that means so much for this team's long-term upside you know once you're talking about clay and and draymond and steph kind of declining in production and nearing retirement um and james wiseman to me first of all i've been so impressed with him as a person i have a huge story honestly probably the biggest story i've ever done in my career dropping tomorrow so listeners please check that one out uh it's over three thousand words it's an opus uh and it's it gets really in depth about uh, who James Wiseman is a per, is as a person and why he is the way he is, and um, he he uh, he's a guy who was just thrown into the fire right away under really difficult circumstances. He only played sixty nine minutes at Memphis. Um, he missed. Uh, he didn't have summer league. He missed all three preseason all three preseason games because of the positive coronavirus test. He was thrown into the starting lineup on national TV on opening night, having only practiced twice with the Warriors. Like, and he's 19 years old, 19 years old, youngest player to ever start a game for the Warriors ever. And uh, I think he's handled it super well. I mean, he's had ups and downs. He's had growing pains. Um, You know, he has some days where it's like, it looks like he doesn't know what he's doing out there. But overall, if you look at his production, he got to be happy. I mean, he's averaging 12.2 points per game, 6.1 rebounds, um, 1.3 blocks, and he's shooting 50% from the field and 40.9% from three, and he's shooting more than one three per game. This is a guy who only shot one three in college and missed it. And so, uh, and then defensively, I think, you know, he's still got a lot to learn, but you see the you see the potential to be an elite lockdown interior defender and shot blocker. Um, So I think you got to be ecstatic if you're the Warriors. Um, He he's, he's been everything you'd hope he would be in more in a lot of ways. Um, He did move out of the starting lineup, but his production has not gone down at all. Actually, it's been better. Um, So I, I, I'm going to give him an A minus. The only reason I'm, not giving him a full on A is just because he has had a couple games where you're like, dude, what are you doing? But he's 19 years old. And just to put it in context, uh, there's been about a dozen centers in NBA history who've played meaningful minutes at the age of 19. James Wiseman is the only one of them to be averaging this many points. So that says, that says a lot to me about his, his outlook long term. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been, he's been better than I thought he would be. Um, 
defensive lapses aside, even those, he, he's so he's such a good athlete and so long that he can make up for some of the lapses. Um, and some of it is just being a rookie. Some sometimes the reaching or the jumping, those are obvious, but there's sometimes where it's just flat out rookie calls that have got him into foul trouble. Um, but offensively, he's way more polished than I thought he would be at this point. He's a way better shooter than I thought. Um, and probably the thing that's impressed me the most is his maturity at 19. I wasn't that mature at 30. Um, we quote James Wiseman between the two of us probably every day in one of our stories. And a, a reader emailed me recently and said, these must not be direct quotes. This guy's 19, you know? And I was like, yeah, no, no, that's that's how he talks. And it, that's how he handles himself. And uh, this guy, that's this is really a guy who amazing. grew up in, you know, borderline abject poverty. I mean, he, he, you know, the story gets into it, but he grew up in some really difficult circumstances. And the fact that he is who he is, despite some difficult circumstances is a testament to him and testament to his family who who he's still super close to so yeah no i i, I think we're gonna go what with a an a minus for him uh then uh draymond draymond's a weird one um i'm gonna have a hard time with this one because draymond statistically has been bad just straight up bad this season um but he uh he looks engaged out there he looks like he's into it. He's been an awesome mentor to James and a lot of the younger guys. Um, he's been barking out calls. And, you know, Steve said that he judges Draymond based off his engagement level. And his engagement level has been phenomenal. But he's just not, like, producing. Uh, he's averaging 4.8 points on just 34.9% shooting, 21.2% from three. Um, his statistically across the board he is has his worst numbers since his rookie season when he barely played um and so there there was a kind of a negative narrative around Draymond last season because he did not play very well alongside a bunch of young guys and and everyone was saying myself included look just wait till Steph comes back don't you can't judge him too harshly he'll get it together and he's still he's still like he's still struggling in in a lot of aspects um but he's also – it's hard because he's not the type of player that I think you can really fully judge based off his numbers. So I don't want to put too much weight in the fact that he's not not knocking down shots even though he's wide open all the time and still missing them. Um, he just straight up refused to shoot for a while, which was interesting. When he first came back from that foot issue, he just completely refused to shoot. He's starting to now. But, um, you know, and he said he's a couple weeks away from being in his peak shape physically. So hopefully he kind of has a breakthrough, but the truth is they need more from him. Like I, I appreciate what he's doing as a mentor and all that, but this is a game of numbers, man. You got to produce, you know, numbers still matter. Uh, yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. And and about the only numbers that are good are that the, NT, the team's entire defense got better when he came back. So there is something to that, right? Um, that, that's, that's huge. And, but offensively, um, He's been flat out bad. Um, and it's actually remarkable that he even has assists because he's no threat on offense. <laughs> you know, uh, they, they talk about all the time he gets the ball in four on three situations, but really it's right back to a three on three situation because he's no threat to shoot the ball whatsoever. Um, so to me, it's remarkable that he has assists at all because he's drawing zero attention and still sees the sequence of the play so well that he can find an open guy cut into the rim. Um, Coach, you said it right. Coach Kerr said that he grades him on engagement. Um, so if we give him an A on engagement, well, we also have to grade him on what he's producing. If we give him a, a C there, what's he, a, a C plus, maybe a B minus this, I mean, this season so far? The fact that his presence has lifted the defense so much, I, I think it's huge. But he, so it kind of, they kind of they kind of negate each other, his offense and his defense. So I'm gonna give him I'm gonna give him a B. I, I'm I'm wavering between a B and a B minus. What do you think? B minus. Just because I think it'll make Draymond want to play even harder and do something fun. Let's say B minus. <laughs> I'm sure he would love our conversation right now. Um, I'm sure he. I'm sure he's listening. Um, <laughs> St Steph Curry. Um, so Steph, uh, obviously, he's our last one, our most important player on the team. The the franchise, as they say, he's the system. He's the franchise. He's all of it. Um, he. The Warriors needed him to play at a legitimate MVP level to be a factor this season. And I think 
overall, he has answered that call. Um, he, you know, he's not, he's obviously not playing the way he played his unanimous MVP year, but he doesn't have the pieces around him. Like, like he did that season. Um, I think he's had a couple absolutely brilliant performances, the 62 point performance against Portland, uh, the 19 point third quarter against the Clippers where he led them from a big deficit to a win over a title contender. Um, he's been a lot more aggressive, which is what I've liked. I've liked seeing that um, when early in the season, he was kind of waiting for other guys to get involved and, and was kind of disappearing for stretches and they need him to be hyper aggressive and he's become that. Um, so that's huge. Um, I think you look at his numbers, you know, they're, I think they're, they're getting around where that you want them to be. He's averaging 27.7 points on 46.3% shooting 40.8% from three. He's been knocking down threes at a super high clip lately. And he's attempting almost 11 per game, which is great. Um, also averaging 6.1 assists. Um, I think he's in the teens in the league, like 16th or 17th in the league overall on assists, uh, 1.2 steals, uh, 5.4 rebounds. So yeah, no, he's doing his job. He's hundred percent doing his job. And, uh, you know, the Warriors struggles are not because of him. And I've actually been really impressed um, with his leadership. Um, he's handled things really well. He's kept things in perspective. When they've had adversity, he said the right things. He's been he's been good with the young guys. So which is all th- which are all things we can, have come to expect from him. But um, I'm going to give him an A. I think he deserves an A. I think he does. I think if the Warriors could could win some more games and be you know, in the conversation for home court advantages in the Western Conference, he would be a legitimate MVP candidate. They're just not winning enough right now. No, I agree. I agree. He's he's performed like like an MVP. Um, and so that that should be the end of the progress report. He gets an A for that. But but I think you hit on a, a an interesting point there. We we've always known him as a good off the court guy and a good leader. Um, but the way that he's dealt with leadership vocally has been one-on-one with players behind the scenes. I think he's been more vocal this year, especially in the media um, when there have been some tough times, when there have been rough games, when he has been asked about playing with young guys who don't know what they're doing. Um, I I think he's been a really good leader uh, in the media using that platform to talk to his teammates. Um, So yeah, I'd give him an A for what he's doing on and off the court. All right. So just to recap real quick, we gave out a lot of A's, didn't we? Uh, a lot of A's and B's, yeah. Uh, Nico Mannion, B+. Juan Descano Anderson, B+. Alan Smilagic, incomplete. Marquise Chris, incomplete. Jordan Poole, C-. Kent Bazemore, B. Uh, Michael Mulder, A. Brad Wanamaker, C-. Damian Lee, A. Eric Paschal, B. Kavon Looney, A-. Kelly Oubre Jr., D+. Andrew Wiggins, A+. James Wiseman, A minus, Draymond Green, B minus, Steph, A. So I I did a like a quarterly report uh, a few days ago and I gave the Warriors overall a B. I actually had a reader email me and say, your coverage has been a B. And then I emailed back and forth with him a little bit and I found out he's only read my running game stories. <laughs> he only reads game coverage and he only reads uh the print edition which is our my running game stories with no quotes so i was like you know that i do a lot more than that right you're getting a b on running game stories you should should get a raise (laughs) yeah so i was a little offended to be honest at first but then i found out he doesn't actually read 80 percent of my stuff so um yeah so i'm gonna give i'm still gonna give them a b i'm gonna i i actually you know what maybe we should give them a b minus I was I was just gonna say we gave out so many A's and B's to the players, um, but they're still in the middle of the pack in the West. So we gotta we gotta drop them down a little bit I mean, somewhere. We gave right? lower grades to some important players like that's Jones, true. Yeah, Kelly Oubre, uh, you know, Brad Wanamaker. Um, so I, I think I think they're a B minus right now. They're just yeah, they're just so inconsistent. They they have not won three games in a row yet. They also have not lost three games in a row, which is weird. I'll agree. I'll agree with you. If you're getting a B for your running gamers, I'd say the Warriors are slightly lower than that. So B minus makes sense. Thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate you. And uh, you, uh, you're getting you get an A for me this season, man. You've been awesome. You've been, you know, you might as well just be co beat writer at this point. You've been writing so much Warriors on on the on the beat this season. It's been awesome, and you've been you've turned out some really great 
stuff. Um, I don't. I look at the numbers you posted really quickly on that Rodney McGruder post yesterday. The numbers were insane. So, thank you. Um, where can our readers find your stuff if they're not already looking for it? I'm still old school guy. I do read more than the gamers, but like him, I do like the print edition. So hopefully you guys are all subscribing to San Francisco Chronicle. If not, uh, check out sfchronicle.com also. And uh, there's all kinds of social media stuff. And I don't know the tags for any of it, but you can find me. Look my name up. Our thanks to Rusty Simmons for joining me on the podcast. Really enjoyed chatting with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 